welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about what to do after your winter wheat harvest or oats or whatever small grain you might have done this year. In our spotlight, we're going to look at Burger Fest, a local tradition here in Seymour. Egg History Minute, we're going to talk about ammonium nitrate. Hopefully we don't end up on a watch list. And in our Cool Beans, that's Corny Current Events, we'll have some news articles. And then we'll finish up with a GDU update. So with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilf Agronomy. Matt, I think you already are on a watch list. There's a good chance. <laughs> yes. You've been there already. If we're taking bets of the four people in this room. Ooh. Max, you're yep, definitely Max. on the watch. Nah, for some reason, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I legitimately, when I was researching that, I legitimately thought the same thing when I was typing that in the browser. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, who's, who's seeing this? Who's yeah. seeing this right now that I'm typing ammonium nitrate? Well, the reason we're talking about ammonium nitrate is uh, if you have been living in a quarantine hole somewhere, you may not have seen Beirut Lemonade go up in a spectacular explosion that is suspected to be caused by ammonium nitrate. So 2,750 tons. That's a lot. Of fertilizer that were seized off of a ship a few years ago, which is roughly equivalent to 1,155 tons of TNT. Just for perspective, a train car is 100 tons. Yeah. So a lot of ammonium nitrate uh, produced in a Big enough blast to destroy most buildings within around 800 feet and shatter glass over 1.25 miles away. And and a large amount of, of uh, grain storage they had, too, from what I understand. Looks that way. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll make the price go up. Well, they were talking that, I, I want to say they were down to, like, a, now after this blast, a month of wheat stored away. So they got, they have a month to figure out what they're going to do for grain, wow. for for the whole country. I mean, yeah. this is a big yeah big supply hub. So well, yeah, it pretty much wiped out the whole port. I mean, they had yep. a satellite image, and there was one partial building, and then everything looked like flat around it. So, and because uh, what did uh, what's his name? I was just talking about him last night. The guy that blew up Oklahoma City. Oh yeah, Richard Timothy Jewell, McVay. Timothy McVeigh. No, no. Okay. Richard Jewell. That's the <laughs> that's the, the security, security oh, yeah, guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Olympics. Who's the Ted guy? Ted. Uh, Bundy. Kaczynski, the yeah. Unabomber? <laughs> yeah, Unabomber. What did he blow up? He sent package bombs. Oh, packages. Okay. Yeah, Tim McVeigh was the Michigan militia guy that blew up the Oklahoma City okay. Federal Building. And he, they said he only he used like... Uh, it was like a van. Yeah, it was like a truckload, basically, of ammonium nitrate to take out a whole building. So you can imagine 2,750 tons. Yeah, that's big boom. What's amazing with this one is the videos on it. Oh, I mean, people lot, having yeah. cell phones, it being in a bigger city, a populated area, is like that. That's been unreal to actually be able to see it and all the different angles they got of it and different. You know, some people close, some people far away, and yeah, it was we're just not crazy. we're not watching grainy grainy security all, footage from the right bank on. across the street. I mean, there's right. people outside in their balconies that were just kind of hanging out and. Well, there was a fire first before it exploded, and that's what caught people. I think that's why we have so much video is people were like, oh, hey, there's, there's a fire, fire at the port. And then nobody was expecting the boom. Yeah. It's the, the natural instinct of people. They're just nose. I mean, this morning we were standing outside 
meeting up this morning to get together and we heard the sirens coming and everybody turned to watch the road to see what was going to come past. I mean, it's just natural for people. Matt, you said that the, a wedding, they were taking wedding photos and was it behind the bride or was it behind? Uh, no, you, you didn't see the explosion. You just saw the, like the shockwave come through because the, oh. the guy was like filming the bride and all of a sudden like the, the camera's messed up and you can tell the guy's like holding out of the camera and like getting pushed toward a wall. And then you see, like, he turns around and you see everything, like, knocked over and blown over and all that stuff. They said in Cyprus, which is off of Greece, mm-hmm. uh, they felt the shockwave. And that's, like, a hundred and some miles away. So That's an island, right? Yeah. Yep. Unfortunate. Really not a great situation. No, yeah. And I'm sure, I think the death toll was 135 and it's only going to go up as they figure out who is where and... Yeah. So, did you get your sweatshirt out the last couple of nights? Yeah, no, it's been cool. Forty something. Been, been. That was a big out. change from a week ago. Think how cold it was in May. You know, like mid to late May, it was just so cold those weeks, and you needed your sweatshirts yet. And I, you know, since June first, though, it was retired. You know, you didn't need to be getting the sweatshirt out, but now it's it's back out and. Yeah, and then by it'll be going away by Sunday. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's real warm. Even tomorrow already looks like it's going to be pretty, pretty roasty toasty. Yep. Back in the eighties, they said really humid. So great, back humid again. Yeah, the humidity is supposed to be really bad again. It's just what we need. Corn's loving it. Well, luckily, luckily the uh, pollination is just about done. Yeah, because we we don't need that during pollination. No, think of that too. As we hit. Pretty decent weather through pollination, so that's good. a little bit in the beginning where it wasn't. It was where yeah. we had we had a little bit too warm just at the beginning, a little too dry, a little too warm. But overall, it's been a really, really decent year for pollination. Yeah, I've got some late corn here that hopefully it's not tasseled yet, so hopefully things will cool down a little bit before that pollinates here coming up. But crazy, Bill, you following the brewers? A little bit, actually. I thought I'd be more jacked about watching them, but. They stink. They stink. <laughs> <laughs> They've played some good teams too. Well, the Cubs and the White Sox, and seems like okay. we're only Apparently playing Chicago. The White Sox so. are good. Yeah, didn't was, know that. Well, they're running out of teams that aren't. Yeah, that are playing games. Yeah, and then they have the home opener delayed because yeah. maybe Louis, that's why I was that's like, kind of my steam was let out. Like, oh, home opener. That's like you look forward to that all year, home opener. And then another reason to hate the Cardinals. Go ahead and get and then, COVID. Yeah, and then classic Locaine. classic Cardinals move. It's just how that just to get Locaine drop out. That's why they yeah, it, so. that sucked. Yeah, that made me sad. I just kind of feel like you know it's gonna be that all year long. Like somebody's gonna get sick because like NBA, they're like biodoming the whole like no one can leave the and, bubble, and, the bubble, yeah. you know, and, and it's almost like a true maybe except for the commissioner, but almost a true bubble where. The baseball, you can't do that because you you're traveling all the time. Yeah, they you should. Could. They had the op- they had the option too, and they were like, "Nah, we're we're not doing that." You know, that was the first plan was to go to Arizona, yeah, yeah. where yep. spring training was. Yeah, but that was just not feasible for whatever reason. I just don't see how this isn't going to keep continuing to happen. But they haven't stopped playing either. No, they're just going to keep. Oh, we'll pluck a team here and there when we have to. Yeah, yeah, and just. Ah, uh, you know what? This team has COVID and this team has COVID. So these two teams are both looking for a game. Perfect. You got a series. Yeah, as long as you can get 
to at least the even number of teams you could re- redo the matchups. And the Bucks too come back and they're I mean they were playing all their backups well, like against the second the half of the so, game the other day. Yeah, and, that wasn't the, everybody's making a big deal of them losing, which when you're playing all your backups. Yeah. I mean that they even were within three points and almost won it with the backups. I mean that would have been awesome to have guys like DJ Wilson win a game for you, but yep. Hey, oh, DJ Wilson will come through when it matters, all right? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> My hero, DJ Wilson. He did, he did lanky smooth. That game. They lanky just got to win one more game, and then they're like locked into Clinched. number one. Then they can just bail on the so rest That's what of I the... thought. They'd rest guys after they won that game, right. not before you win that game. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, the Suns would have been a night. I mean, if you played the starters, that's you're up by 50 at half. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. That would have been a real nice one to just, yeah, let's just, you know, shut it down here and move on. But they'll get to it. All right. You guys ready to get into this? Yeah. Yep. Let's do it. All right. So you planted wheat or oats or rye or what have you, and now you've harvested, hopefully. Taking the straw off. What do we do now? So what are some potential things you could do after winter wheat? or winter cereals, and manure is a pretty common thing. It's good, safe time. You know, you get the crop off. You can make some room in the pit if you need to before corn silage comes off in about a month. You just have to watch your end rates because you're leaving it out there for a long time with potential for, you know, either leaching or mineralization and not being utilized. So cover crops are also an option. So what do you guys see in going after winter wheat? Yeah, especially with, like you said, Matt, manure. We're putting that nutrient out there. So we want to put in the, the soil's warm. It's ready to go. So we want to put something out there with it to kind of grab it back. So a lot of times, say you're in winter wheat or doing something like that, putting another small grain behind it to grab it up is a good idea. Um, but what is exciting is... We're going to talk about GDUs later, but in August here, we got a whole lot of GDUs that we're wasting if we don't throw something out there to sort of grab it. So there's a lot of time to get um, even like a tillage radish that usually struggles um, after other crops that soybeans and corn is just too late. But after after wheat here, there's a lot of time where, you know, covers like radish, oats, barley, um, those are just really good time to, to do that sort of mix right now or, or whatever mix you like. so It is sad to see, though, guys, when you got the nice green all summer long, we harvest the weed, it's beautiful golden brown when we harvest, and then we till it up and we walk away, and, you know, it is kind of a bummer to see that. Yeah, so, something about that just doesn't quite no. sit right with you anymore. Yeah. It's okay. It's not great, but when we do it in October, November, you know, when we normally do tillage, it's like, oh, okay, but... I guess it just seems something a little like we're like you said, Todd. We're wasting all this sunlight if you're not growing something. Yep, and, in August, and you're leaving yourself open to lots of erosion. I mean, we get potentially quite a bit of rain through the fall, even sometimes in August. So you work that field up, and then it just sits there, and then it's washing, and leaves you more work to do when you get finally do get back to it. I think you got to decide what your goals are. If your goal after weed is just to have a cover, then your probably species you're choosing a cover crop is different, maybe. Not always, but maybe if, unless, versus if you want to take a forage. You know, if 
If you're a dairy and you planted oats because you needed the straw, because you didn't get the chance to plant winter wheat last year, then yeah, maybe you want to plant some some barley and oats or something that you can harvest yet in a yeah. There's potential for, days for yep. more feed. Definitely, I mean it may not be as good of a crop, but at least you'll have something there, and you get a little bit of your money back by harvesting it and using it for feed. How do you guys feel about um, maybe I a lot of these mixes you hear about? Um, they inv- include a cereal grain of some kind, um, not including that in your mix and letting your regrowth kind of fill that void and just doing your legumes and your, you know, whatever else you want to mix in around that and saving that. It's only a couple bucks an acre, but, you know, if you're not taking the kosher where you're required to plant that all those mixtures, um, is that a valid, Is that, can you really count that regrowth as part of your mix? I count yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, you can. The downside with it is usually it's heavier, especially if you're putting a yeah, the wind rows. Wind row yep, behind thick. you. Yep. So sometimes having, um, and now they make it on combines that it can fan it out. Uh, that's really beneficial to get it evenly spread. Uh, but yeah. Or I hopefully think, that the other stuff you're planting, Max, kind of fills in those holes yeah. too. Yep. I did have a field this year that we let go. It was winter wheat a year ago. And we didn't do anything with it. And when it came up this spring, we're like, hey, let's just leave this. And it ran 40 bushel. That ain't bad. Oh, that's money ahead on, you know, yeah. Yeah. with no input. Double I mean, crop wheat. We just, all we did was a little bit of nitrogen and we sprayed it. Pretty late inputs. Yep. Not recommending that, but <laughs> sometimes it happens. And that was where the, it was spread out good. You know, it was even. You had good, you had good, uh, Spreaders on the back of the combine. Stuff, yeah. It wasn't just like thick patches and then no, yeah. where where like where some of the corn you know early in the year when where you can see it on the tile lines where it's like two feet taller like that's how it looks when the wheat is like right. perfect right behind the combine and then nothing in the middles. And I think going along with the planning aspect, your goals. You know, do you want something there next for next spring? And then um, so if you're leaving the winter wheat, it's going to come back. And not spraying enough. A lot of guys do burn down after um, the wheat starts to come back. So have a plan for termination. If you're going to do something that's going to overwinter, make sure you you know what your plan is to are you going to terminate it early, going to try to plant green, and then terminate. You know, But have an idea of what you want to do so you get everything right the first time even just just making sure you're cognizant of your rotation where you're going into next year you know if you're putting you're doing a cover crop but you're going to plant oats next spring you probably don't want to put winter rye in your or (laughs) or oats in your oats would be okay because at least then you have the same species but and it shouldn't over shouldn't nice air quotes here over winter but um yeah putting winter rye in and then planning to plant barley or oats next year really is not a great, great outcome. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to corn, having a legume out there to help take up, not only take up nitrogen, but, you know, hold it, even produce some more. Yep. Um, so if you're doing just for cover and you went with, like, radishes, what, how thick do you go? Because they always give ranges, right? Are you, are you? What's your experiences, guys, of are you going two with, pounds? Yeah. Well, for, first of all, I, I wouldn't do just straight radish. Yeah, that that I would not do. That causes tends to cause issues. You get the nice big holes, 
<laughs> and if you're, especially if you're going to try to no-till, um, you're just going to end up unhappy. So throw some barley or yeah, something. Yeah, do there. a mix. And yeah, two pounds maybe. A couple, you know, you don't need a lot. A bushel of barley? Yeah, about a bushel. 50? Yep. Pounds. I think most of most of the small grains around a bushel is a bushel to the acre is pretty pretty substantial. Mixes when we're talking or any cover crop, I always just like what how you can do it the cheapest. Yep. Because I think that, you know, whatever seed say you do have some winter wheat seed obviously left over from harvest or whatever you have, or you can swap with a neighbor for some oats or barley. But just it's about getting the price of that mix down to 10, 15 bucks an acre or less and just really trying to get it reasonably priced out there. Because, yeah, I feel like we look too much into, you know, the rate of this and how much of this. And it, sometimes it's just about putting a little bit back and keeping it really cheap. So if you if you are getting cost share from NRCS, obviously you got to go off of their NRCS seeding rate guidelines. Yeah, there are minimums there too that you need. Yeah, to eat, and so. I would say in general... Just the general guideline would be you could cut those in half, you know, if you weren't getting cost share and you'd probably be okay. So we had the big we had a big talk about this last week, make coming up with a cover crop mix about um using different different flavors, different varieties of peas. You know, are you gonna do Austrian winter peas or clay peas or cow peas or um iron peas, all that kind of stuff. And uh in the end it came down to which one can you get cheapest by the bag i mean they're all going to do a similar you're gonna have a similar outcome no matter what and it's not like you're feeding this or or you're going to harvest the peas you know to feed to feed your family it's which peas are the best can you get the best discount a great point to max is when we plant these a lot of time we want them to look like a crop like a like what wheat would look like or you know and we don't want them too thin well these cover crops really you want them to be quite thin. I mean, that that is so. You want them to be even but thin, and you're still going to get a lot of benefits. And in in a way, too, you're giving them more room to grow. Um, so that's the part where I think we got to change our perspective a lot. That we're not the goal is not to have a lawn looking green. We want it to be a lot thinner, with the exception of for forage. You do want it a little bit thicker yep. just so you can get some tonnage off the next spring. And um, there are some. Some guys that have been trying for weed suppression. So if you're going to like take rye and roll it before you plant into it, um, you do want it a little thicker. But yeah, in general, it doesn't need to be real thick. Those like radishes, peas, um, turnips, those kinds of things, they really need the space to put on that. You know, we're looking for that impressive root out of a radish. We don't want that above. The above ground biomass is fine, but we really would like to see that below ground biomass grow too. And they need space to do that you can't cram them in there you know you can't be planting those at 50 pounds you know a bag to the acre it's they're not going to get you're not going to get the expansion that you want so um don't be afraid to cut those rates down a little bit as long as you're following your cost share guidelines yep and with that be mindful if you are doing cost share of your your seeding dates a lot of times there are um deadlines to when you have to have it planted by um, just looking at the chart here from NRCS, most of them are between August 15th and September 15th with the some of the cereals like winter wheat, cereal rye, triticale that pushes into October. But um, you want to make sure that you're, you're getting it in ahead of those dates so that you do get your cost share payment. 
And then obviously, if, um, one thing we haven't talked about yet, if you're going to do a fall seeding of alfalfa, you want to get it in before August 15th, and which it's August 6th, the day we're recording here. You're going to listen to it on August 7th. So you get about a week or so here to really get your new seeding established um, to hopefully get it, give it the best chance of get, success. To get your ducks in a row, as they say. Yeah. I mean, I've seen guys push it, and it, it some years it works, some years it doesn't. Last year did not. <laughs> it definitely did not <laughs> no. last year. So that, um, that Labor Day planting is not... Not ideal. Not ideal, not recommended. You want to be... Yeah, try it. to be a hard line on that August 15th. Get it in the ground now. If you haven't done your manure, <laughs> you're already going to be pushing it. Yep. So hopefully you've got the manure in the ground if you're going to do it ahead of a seeding and get it seeded as soon as you can. It is a nice way to get alfalfa in the ground. Yeah, obviously we're... We have to hope we get enough rain this and during the fall season to get it germinated and going that it doesn't sprout and die. But you get it going and you get that volunteer. Make sure you kill that volunteer wheat. You know we can choke out in those windrows, Max. You were talking about. Yeah. You know, at least with that, there's a lot of options. Our clethodems, like yeah. we talked about a couple weeks ago, but pretty cheap and pretty easy to. If you're to doing Harv Extra, we always got the roundup, roundup. option. So. Yeah, yep. we 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 fought that. Pretty hard, actually, this spring from last fall. Stuff just didn't get killed and uh, in, in the, fall seeding. And this spring, we had a hard time killing it, too, because the, it wasn't you're super right, Max, warm. You're right, the timing is sometimes you got that winter wheat, the volunteer winter wheat that germinates over over a month, and then you got to try to spray the select at the right time. Yeah. So Last year, I had a couple fields, and we legitimately had the Friday before Labor Day to spray it. And then, and then it got too and wet. Then the, and then, you know, the especially if you had a co-op doing it where they had the weekend off, if we were waiting till Monday, it legitimately never stopped raining. Yep. We, we didn't get back in there. So we missed it because we couldn't time it out right with the co-op's schedule or whatever, and we missed that Friday and dealing with it this spring. Yeah. And, the, and then the spring was less than ideal for Select because it wasn't very – Select needs a little bit – it works better when it's a little bit warmer. So in the spring, when it was forty degrees in May, we had some some hard hard time killing things. So yeah, definitely timing was big, is big. Absolutely. So if you didn't do manure and you want to fertilize your crop, especially if you're going to try to take a forage, might be a good idea to throw a little something at it. Uh, make sure you follow your soil test recommendations and talk to your agronomist. And soil testing, it's also a great time to do that after your winter wheat's off if you're due. So make sure you let your agronomist know that your wheat's off. Speaking as the agronomist that likes to do soil samples, it's nice to sample in a wheat field and and not a corn stalk field or a plowed field. And this year, especially with the sufficient rainfall, yeah, you know, some years you get to winter wheat sampling and it's like trying to push the probe yeah. through concrete. It's been I sampled last week; it was beautiful, perfect. I mean, nothing to it. So, yeah, it is does tend to be drier, so in a dry year, it makes it pretty tough to soil sample that. Just like sampling after third crop hay, it's mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. pounder in. Oh, yeah. Jump on the probe, Max, or you jump on the probe? I'm, uh, I try not to because I know that breaks probes, bends probes. But Hands, handstand. He does a handstand. <laughs> yes. I'm what you call an athlete, Bill. Um, <laughs> right. All right. <clears throat> so that'll do it for wheat. So make sure you have a plan for whether you're cover cropping or putting in a fall seeding. Fertilize if you're not doing manure, and make sure you get your soil tests done if they're due. Now we'll move into our spotlight. Spotlight. 
So today we're going to be a little bit of Homer here and talk about Burgerfest. So even with everything going on, Burgerfest is going to continue and they're making a 200 pound burger, which at today's meat prices is a pretty expensive burger. <laughs> and so just think about that when it started. Yeah, that was... What are we at? Well, we were kids, so it's probably been 30 years, 30 years almost. Wasn't it like a 2,000-pounder? 32nd. 32nd year. The 32nd, so it started when I was four. What is the record? Yeah, it was, it was like 2,000-something. Yeah, yeah I want to say it's... I mean, that's a lot of cash. Because for, for a while, it was at the late 90s, early 2000s, we were going back and forth with Montana or whatever for the record. Not Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg, not, not, yeah. We're not arguing where the hamburger started. Yeah, we're I was talking about. I the thought they were record. doing it. Too. I was. I was about to because I'm not like you guys. I was not born and raised in ha- hamburger country. Um, so I was jealous. I'm not yeah. jealous. I'm just saying a town called Hamburg just sounds like pretty, pretty, pretty good place <laughs> to start the hamburger. But it didn't. Seymour. <laughs> no, it is cool. Like going. I remember going when I was a kid. It's cool. It's a I mean, I love cheeseburgers, so I mean, it doesn't get any better than, better than a good cheeseburger. So yeah. this is definitely the fest for me. And it's more like a meatloaf than it is a burger. Yeah, at two hundred pounds, yeah. Ma meatloaf, ma meatloaf. <laughs> well, you you were right. So a German has the record currently. Oh, uh, it was broken. Step your game up, Seymour. July ninth, two thousand seventeen. Oh, oh, with a two thousand. 566 pound nine ounce burger. The real home of the hamburger. Made by Wolfgang Lieb. Where is that in Hamburg, Germany? In Pilst, no, Pilsting, Germany. Oh, okay. So, oh, that's cheating. Hamburger consisted of three meat patties. Oh, yeah, you can't. It's got to be, be one big, yeah. big patty. Why? Yeah, how could you even do three? Well, how many meat what? patties are on a Big Mac? Yeah, no, I'm two. <laughs> Come on, sing the song, Max. So it's just I don't know the song. I'm not, I'm too special. So- lettuce special sauce on a sesame seed bun. That's the only part. That's I'm it. too young. I'm way too young. I don't remember that. I don't remember the '60s, guys. <laughs> wow, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so what are they going to do? I mean, normally they got it's, the run and yeah, all of it's canceled. So it's just the big burger, a two bigger two hundred pounds, and it's being donated to. Uh, to essential workers, so that's oh, really cool. So you can't go and no, you with go your mask and get a burger. No, it's it's donated. The ketchup and then, slide? Nope, no ketchup. Just oh. that and the parade. So and the parade and the, yeah, no burger eating contest. Are they going to socially distance, space out along Main Street to I make don't sure know how we're you're not do too the parade. close? Other cities did parades. I haven't been to a yeah. parade since I, COVID. I went to so one. I don't know. Yeah, what was one. it like? Uh, I don't know that this specific area really believes that COVID is a thing. <laughs> So it was pretty much like a regular parade. Right. They they gave out candy. It was not social distancing was not a thing. With the governor's mask order now, I I don't know what you have well, to wear. You're not, one at a you're not inside or? a building, so yeah, but if you're six feet from say somebody comes sit six feet from you, do you they probably won't give good. out candy. Probably not. It's suggested uh, but I, okay. I but think it's only required good. indoor. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's having not fully read the mandate. But I read it and it's still in. <laughs> I don't know. Because even in restaurants, 
there's yeah. exceptions for eat, eating. When you're eating. Well, there you go. Stuff, Just so. bring food to eat while you're at the parade. So well, okay. Dis- Disney locked down on that. Um, you can. Just people were not wearing masks and just eating while they were walking yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah, so And then, yeah, Disney <laughs> cracked down on that. So. No can do. Well, oh, soup for you. Just going to eat all the time. It's funny. Like last weekend, I was on vacation. And we had to wear masks and all the stores were in. And then we stopped to eat and everybody just took them off. And it was the same, you know, you saw the same families in each of these stores. And then you're mm-hmm. all sitting at the same bar together. Like, seems a little counterproductive, but, you know. But it'd be hard to eat with a mask, so. It would be. No, right. I'm not. I'm definitely not complaining about that. All right. So the next says here in the article, they have a goal of making a 10,000 pound with a bun. That's like that's not next, just, that's yeah. like not just jumping. That's like I got some farmers who would love to get involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> that's the place in Germany. That'll, that'll be when. Uh, no, this is the article about Seymour. Oh, Seymour's trying to do a ten thousander. Nice. Yep, that's They're apparently sh- a goal. Well, if we could do multiple patties, I don't yeah, know. Why. Just have yeah, if, then it'd be easier. Make da, 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 da. if it's ten thousand pounds, that's five tons. So a ton of patty. There you go. That's a big patty. Holy buckets. How do you cook that thing? On the giant grill that they yeah. have over... Yeah, I guess. On Depot Street, yep. I, I want to see them flip them, though. That's, that's yeah, because this one, it's a, it takes like four up, people to they flip pick it up with a crane. Flip it now. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 if it was a, if it was a ton, yeah, you'd have to like put it in some sort of holder, I think, and then flip it. They get a giant thermometer to stick in there to tell you when it's, it's done. done. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to kill it. It's well done, probably, at that point. Yeah, right. Hope you get the ins- the middle part and not the outside. All right. So now we'll move into our egg stream minute. Gotta love the banjo. The All banjo right. talking about ammonium nitrate <laughs> seems a little. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fitting. I thought it was. Oh fitting. yeah, yeah. Just give a little. Background. Learn a little bit about ammonium nitrate. All right. So ammonium nitrate is a white crystalline substance first made artificially. In 1659, by German chemist Johann Rudolf Glauber. The compound does not occur in nature because it is so soluble that it is washed out of the soil by rain and surface water. Ammonium nitrate is stable at lower temperatures but tends to decompose explosively when heated to temperatures above 200 degrees Celsius or 390 degrees Fahrenheit. Its two most important uses today are in fertilizer and explosives. In 2004, it ranked 14th among all chemicals manufactured in the United States. Just over 6 million metric tons of the compound were produced in 2004. So some other uses of ammonium nitrate are fireworks, uh, where it provides oxygen needed to ignite other chemicals, manufacture of nitrous oxide, also known as laughing gas, or the stuff that makes the Fast and the Furious cars go really fast. Or uh, when you're in a dentist chair. Yep, that makes you laugh. Rocket engines, where it provides oxygen needed to burn rocket fuel. Manufacture of safety matches, where the compound supplies oxygen to substances that catch fire when the match is struck. And as a nutrient source in commercial processing for growing yeasts and antibiotics. And you do need a permit. Uh, to have it. I think that was born out of the previously mentioned Oklahoma City bombing. Um, so you can't cannot just be in possession of it. And there are um, a lot of rules involved with handling it. So I was surprised to see how much how many different things it's still used in. Yeah, I mean it's 
It's useful. It's useful, but yeah, that's, there's a reason you can't just get your hands on it easily because you can make big bombs with it. So it's too bad it was really good fertilizer. Yeah, like when it was really it, stable too. Yeah, like it was really better than urea, and I guess it's similar to ammonium sulfate that way. But yeah, so be it. All right, Todd. Tell us about it. All right. If you like what you're hearing, please go to naicc.org and look for a crop consultant in your area. And please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend, tell a farmer friend what a podcast is. Give him, maybe show him what your podcast player does. And yeah, when he's out harvesting wheat and planting his cover crop, he can uh, play our podcast in his tractor. Matt, where can they follow us? So follow us at Facebook and Twitter. At Tilth Talk Radio. And you can find us on iTunes and pretty much most podcast players, not all, but most. Uh, podcast Addict, I know, is one that uh, some of us use besides the iTunes podcast. So now we'll move into Cool Beans, and that's corny. So, Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. So, our Cool Beans today. Has a uh, nice local touch. We're and, going local today, and, aren't we? And even a connection. Support local. To the our business itself. So conservation practices regenerate dairy on Plum Pride Holsteins. Todd, do you know who that is? Yeah, they're a great farm. So it's an article that was in the Ag Review. So um, highlighting a local dairy that basically is uh, putting a grazing... Um, kind of operation and looking into other different conservation practices uh, but they took a real kind of hilly slopey area and um, are grazing their heifers on it so the heifers that are four month to calving um, out there and then just kind of showing the good that it does and um, for that kind of area and how good it helps the soil so just kind of a neat way to implement you know not necessarily doing the whole farm into grazing but a, a way to kind of still put in a, a really erosive part of the farm into grazing and, and kind of help help that that area. So we've all been over that area, and it's it is really hilly and slopey and very erosive in spots. So yeah, and I wouldn't even say the whole. There's a lot of good areas right. in the. It, this is kind of in the Wrightstown, Wisconsin area, and um, just specifically, it kind of butts up with the Fox River. And so there's spots there that are are really close to the river, and you want to try to kind of kind of help them and and make sure that it's not running off. So, so we give all credit to Utah, or no? How does this work? This is a good partnership with kind of NRCS and some of the other program, you know, with county the county yep. land conservation, um, and just the the stuff they they kind of do, and and the farmer too. I mean, the farmer is the one that's got a um, manage it. Yeah, this is the bees failing. I think they're the ones that really, obviously, put the most in it. Because yeah, when when the these other programs will help you get started, but they're the ones that gotta kind of manage it and work with it and do mm-hmm. all that. And so. like you say, you really have to give them credit because they could have just kept on milking cows and not worried about it. You know, right. they took the initiative themselves to say, "Hey, there's a problem here. We got to do something to to fix it." I think on a lot of dairies, it is hard to, and a lot of dairies do pasture milking cows. But this idea of putting heifers out on pasture is a good one because it, you know, it, it 
you don't have to bring them in twice a day or three times a day to milk them. So yep. you can put them out there and you just got to move the fence and make sure they got water and um, everything's kind of good to go that way. So, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense what they did and they picked a, a good spot to do it. So congratulations to Marv and family over at Plum Pride Holsteins. And now our That's Corny for today. Minnesota identifies... Right there starts the classic. Yep. All things bad, certain Minnesota. <laughs> no, <clears throat> just kidding. Minnesota identifies Palmer Amaranth in Winona County. Wah, wah. So they found Palmer Amaranth. Winona County, too. That's right on the border. Son of a gun. gun. Lacrosse, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So, so that's... <sighs> so we're next. Uh, thanks, Minnesota. Way to go. So a crap consultant found it. Go for on a stick. And identified it by sending it to the Department of Agriculture after finding it in some soybeans. That's that just makes that just makes me sad. <laughs> Hopefully we'll run into that consultant and we can ask him what yeah, he feels about that. I'm trying to see if they said who it was. They didn't. They didn't. I was looking. Uh, yeah. They do say that's what gets rid of your water hemp problem. <laughs> Palmer yes. just takes over, yeah. Yep, that is a quote from Rodrigo Worley. He's like, yep, if you want to get rid of water hemp, just, just, put some Palmer, just Palmer will do that. So, Considering they're finding dicamba-resistant Palmer. Yeah. They're now finding dicamba-resistant water hemp too, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's sure. be, no, yeah. No, it was just Palmer so far. Yeah, It'll come. I would debate, I would debate that, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Palmer Amaranth, like its cousin water hemp, produces 100,000 to 500,000 oh. seeds. So it can be... It's child's play right <laughs> there. He's so it's sad nice. just listening to this. So even one plant can be very detrimental to a field. Uh, so always do your best to keep invasives from moving in and... Close, close the border. Clean Minnesota. Close the border. <laughs> Make sure you're... We need, a, yeah, we need a wall. We've been, we've been we begging to close this border for years with Minnesota. We've got real firepower now. Clean your equipment and uh, before you move fields if you can and just do your best not to continue the spread. So now we'll wrap her up with some GDU updates. Thanks, Todd. Trigger finger over there. <laughs> So we'll start in Crivets. Uh, to date, they are at 1,435 GDUs. Last week, they were at 1,306. Uh, normal for them is around 1,380. So they are 55 above normal. Seymour, where we are located, is at 1,583. Last week, we were at 1,446. Uh, normal's 1,591, so we were actually uh, did step back. We're in the red. And dropped to eight below normal. Bar. So last week we were above normal, but with the cooler temperatures, we we saw a drop. I don't know if it's quite that significant, but and uh, hopefully next week we'll catch up. Yeah, Sun Prairie. They were at seventeen seventeen last week. They were at fifteen forty six. Uh, their normal is around sixteen twenty two. We found the normals were a little off on. Pioneers, we kind of estimated that from some other places. And they so they were about 95 GDUs above normal. Last week, they were 
95 above normal. That's that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Last week they were near zero, so they were about even with normal. So, so it was hot down there last week. Yeah. We were cold. They were warm. It's interesting how that happens, but just like rainfall, some places over the weekend got you know here in Seaboard we got close to half an inch and go east or west of us and they got almost nothing. So six six inches down southern part of the state, a couple places Jeez. pretty pretty aggressive rainfall. We didn't need that. No, no, nobody needs six inches. Of rain. <laughs> yeah, nobody needed nobody. six or eight or any of the different giant rainfalls they got. When you get two inches at a crack, that's we're good. Usually more than more than you need. So, so all right, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. For yeah, thanks us. to all listeners. Yep. Yeah, and so today we talked about winter wheat and what to do after your. Winter wheat or other small grains, whether it's cover crops, seeding alfalfa, or putting up manure. In our spotlight, we talked about Burger Fest happening this weekend if you want to come up to see more. Ammonium nitrate is what we covered in our Ag History Minute. And cool beans, that's corny. We talked about a local dairy doing some conservation practices with their heifers raising. And our that's corny was Minnesota identifying Palmer Amaranth in another county. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.